Those are my good friends, Brian and Katie, and they are, they are more talented than I am in that category right there. Uh, when, when that took place, they uploaded it up on YouTube, and it totally went viral, okay? So, I mean, maybe today I've seen a lot of weddings do this kind of thing, but back in 2007, that was pretty original, okay? So within the first few months, they had 20 million views on that YouTube video, okay? And then they, uh, it's, that, that video had been re-uploaded countless times on other sites, they were contacted by Rachel Ray, Tyra Banks, Inside Edition, TLC's Wild Weddings contacted them and paid them to use their video on their show. Numerous times they've been recognized by strangers as that couple. Uh, that's literally happened. In 2009, uh, I worked for Godwin Plumbing in Grand Rapids, and we were hanging out in the break room at lunchtime, and we were talking about YouTube videos, and this guy starts describing this wedding video that he's like, have you seen this video? It's so funny and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, I was the best man in that wedding. And he was like, what? You know, I am so glad that I went to that wedding because I love my friends, Brian and Katie. And I'm also really glad that I went to that wedding because that was a pretty big historic event that took place in their lives. Not only because they got married, because also, I mean, the whole world found out about it or something like that. Okay. So last week, we started a series here at the well talking about this guy named Jesus. And last week, we talked about how Jesus is good news. He's not just a guy who talks about good news. He doesn't just proclaim it with his lips. He embodies. He actually is good news. And we want to spend some time this year talking about In what ways does Jesus embody being in good news? What is the good news that we can find in these different stories that we find in the the book of Luke? Such as this one. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. And people were crowding around him to hear the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats belonging to fishermen who were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When Jesus was finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him, Master, we have worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats full of fish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be 
to God. I think this is a great story. It's found in Luke chapter 5, in case you want to find it in uh, a Bible that you might have or on your phone or something like that if you wanted to follow along. So this is a story of these guys that are fishing. There's a guy by the name of Mendel Noon, which I think that's a really sweet name, by the way. He spent some time, he lived in the 1900s. He spent 20 years of his life as a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. And while he was fishing and living in the world of fishing, he decided to become really passionate about studying ancient fishing methods. And so he is now the top expert on fishing in the, on the Sea of Galilee from the time of, of Jesus. And here's what he says about this story. He says these guys that were fishing probably used what they call a trammel net. You can go to the next slide. Here's a quick sketch of a trammel net. Basically what it is, it's a big net that's about six feet tall, so about that tall, and about 150 feet wide, and it's actually three nets in one. The outside is a little bit more of a wider mesh, and then the inside layer is a really fine mesh that's really easy for the fish to go tangled in. Um, and what they would do is they would carefully take the boat all the way around and make a big circle, kind of envision they're circling the size of this room or something like that, and they're lowering the net down, and it, the top part floats and the bottom part sits on, the, on the, um, the bottom of the lake. And then they make this big circle... And they kind of have this barrel, uh, a, a smaller pond, basically, to, to fish in, if you will. And then once the, the net was laid all the way around in the circle, then Mendel Noon says what they would do is they would create a lot of noise. The fishermen would just start banging on their boats with the oars or stomping their feet to scare the fish. And that sounds a little bit crazy, but when you're scaring the fish, if you're in the middle, then they're going to go out like this, and they're eventually going to run into the net. And once they hit the net... They're tangled in the net and they cannot get out. So this is the way they would fish. And the story that we just read talks about how they fished all night. Fishing was done at night. They did it at night because then in the morning they could bring their fresh fish to the market to be sold. They didn't have these things called freezers with ice cubes. And so if you wanted to sell your fish fresh in the morning, you had to do fishing at night, sell it in the morning. The other thing is that the nets were not made of this, you know, transparent synthetic material at the time. So if you're fishing during the daytime, the fish can actually see the net. But if you're fishing at night, they can't see it. They have no idea what's going on. The story tells us they fished all night, and they caught nothing. Along comes this guy named Jesus, who's known as a carpenter and does a little bit of teaching on the side. And then he says to these guys who are, you know, fishermen, this is their job, this is your occupation. He's like, no, I got an idea. Here's how you do it, guys. And he, like, tells them how to do their job. I mean, I can't imagine how frustrated Simon must have been at the time because, A, he just, he just pulled an all-nighter fishing, and he caught nothing. And all of a sudden, this carpenter guy who doesn't know anything about fishing comes along and says, hey, this is how you do it. Actually, instead of fishing in the shallow end like you usually do for this kind of fish, actually, let's go out to the deep end and let's do this during the daytime. And they caught such a large number of fish that they filled two boats so full that they began to sink. And now my amazing wife, Stacy. <laughs> 
Hi. You guys still doing okay out there? I think this is a fascinating story. Um, and what's interesting is that Peter knows right away that what has happened is no fluke and no accident, but something that had to be an act of God. Peter was a fisherman from a fisherman's family. Like, this was a crazy catch of fish, especially in broad daylight. So Peter recognizes right away, this is something that God has done. Um, This is an act of God. And as a result of that, um, Peter has two very interesting responses that we're going to look at tonight. So first, I just want you to listen carefully to the rest of the story, and we'll talk about Peter's two responses. When Simon Peter saw what had happened, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For Peter and all his companions were amazed and astonished at the catch of fish they had taken in, as were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Peter's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So the men pulled their boats up onto the shore. They left everything, and they followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Look at verse 8 with me, if you have your Bibles. Um, This is Simon Peter's first response. When he notices this has been an act of God, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. I am a sinful man. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. His response was immediate. And here's the first thing he says. I am not worthy of you acting on my behalf. I'm not worthy to even be in your presence. I'm a sinner. I've screwed up. I've failed. There is no way that you should be doing this for me right now. I am not even close to who I want to be. His view of God did not leave any room for the possibility that he as a sinful person could stand in the midst of the power and presence of the Almighty God. So he immediately falls to his knees. And you know what he does is he begs Jesus to leave. Just go away. Well, what does Jesus say? Does he go, yeah, you know what, Peter, you're right. You are a sinner. You've really screwed up. Um, I don't really want anything to do with you, so better luck next time. I'm out of here. Is that what Jesus says? Not so much. Jesus says, look at verse 10. He does two incredible things. Peter, don't be afraid. You know what he's saying to Peter? He's saying, you know what, I know you. Peter, I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I even know the things that have been done to you. I know what you think of yourself, and I actually also know what other people have been telling you about yourself all your life. I know all of these things, and I love that you are on your knees. I love that your response is to fall to your knees and say these things. But Peter, don't be afraid. Get up. You can be forgiven. You can be made whole. 
and you would not even imagine the things that I have for you. Peter, don't be afraid. Get up. Here's the thing. Peter's falling to his knees and admitting his sin was so real and so honest and actually, I think, really beautiful to Jesus. But Peter's sin did not disqualify him. In fact, his falling on his knees actually qualifies him for service in the kingdom of heaven. Peter's sin didn't disqualify him from the love and acceptance of Jesus. And it did not disqualify him from the call that Jesus had on his life to be part of God's amazing work in the world. So, When Jesus says, do not be afraid, listen to what he says next. He promises Peter a future, an unbelievable destiny, a role filled with purpose and greatness. He says, from now on, you will catch men. Now here is where Peter's life is about to get really interesting. Jesus is is saying, you're not going to anymore be part of this grueling, dirty, messy job where you're catching fish and hoping that you can sell them the next day uh, to pay the bills. Jesus is saying, you know what, Peter? I have such great purpose for you that you are going to be part of what I'm doing in the world. You're going to be part of declaring good news. You're going to be part of bringing people, calling people from darkness to light. You're going to be part of bringing people who are spiritually dead to life. From now on, you will catch men. Now that is an invitation. Now let's look at Peter's second response. This is in verse 11. After Jesus says this, it says, they pulled up their boats on the shore, they left everything, and followed him. It's really interesting that Peter doesn't just say, "Mm, I don't know, I'm really used to fishing, it's pretty comfortable, it definitely is lucrative, it pays the bills. I don't really know where you're going, so I'll just stay here. I'm good. Thanks, anyway, for the invitation. Is that what Peter says? Peter says, wow, okay, let's go. I'm in. Let's go. And they pull up their boats on the shore, and not only Peter immediately follows him, but the other guys with him do too. Very interesting. This is a little crazy if you think about it, because remember, they're fishermen. They just had the biggest catch of their life. They just had their best day ever as fishermen. But something in them knew that their best day as fishermen was nothing in comparison to the life that Jesus was about to call them to. And here is the very exciting thing. Their decision to follow Jesus didn't just change the course of their lives, although it did significantly. It changed the world. I mean, we're sitting here tonight talking about the story in part because they chose to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. And here we sit, looking at their story, talking about good news because of that. I think that's fascinating. Jesus offers us the same invitation tonight. Jesus offers you the same invitation tonight. No matter who you are, or where you've been, or what you've done, Jesus says, don't be afraid. I have great purpose for you. 
and I'm inviting you in to be part of my work in the world. So I wonder, what will your response be? Will you be like Peter, who the first thing he does is he falls to his knees? And you know what? That's actually a really natural and beautiful response. Like to see your own stuff and say, God, I'm not worthy. But at the same time, Jesus says to you, don't be afraid. Get up. I have great purpose for you. And will you hear him and come and follow him? Now, it's easy to say this, but kind of hard to do, right? Because we all have stuff, reasons, things we love, things that are hard to let go of. So I want to show you this picture that I think kind of helps helps us understand this little girl has this little teddy bear that Jesus wants her to give up, right? Because he's got something bigger and better and more wonderful and adventurous. And she's like, but I really like this, right? I really like this. I don't really want to let it go. I really like my comfortable life. I really like the things that are, I think, making me happy. But we have no idea of the wonder and adventure and the greatness that God could have in store. Um, There's a quote I want to share with you from C.S. Lewis. I love this quote. It's so beautiful. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drug and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are all invited to the party. Remember when Ben talked about being invited to the wedding and he was really glad he went, right? We've all been invited. Jesus is asking all of us to follow. And we have no idea what awaits us, what life and adventure and purpose if we were to go. It may not always be easy, because here's the thing. For Peter, it was not always easy. Um, But it was rich, and it was full of purpose and meaning. The next slide are words from Jesus in John chapter 10. It says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So my questions for us tonight is, will we take Jesus at his word? Will we hear him say, don't be afraid. Get up. I have great purpose for you. Will you leave everything and follow him with all that you are? Trusting in his promises. Trusting in the things he said. And for the sake of those promises and for the sake of the possibility that your decision could change the world, will you follow Jesus with all that you are? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we're thankful for this story tonight. We're thankful for the things we hear about your provision in this story and your care for us in this story. God, I'm thankful for the words you speak to Peter telling him not to be afraid. And I pray that you would meet us in the places in our hearts tonight where we might be afraid. God, I pray that in these next moments and in the songs that we sing, that your spirit would speak and move and bring healing and comfort and direction and courage to leave everything behind and follow you. 
We pray, th- pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.